We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Hello folks and welcome to another episode of the Highland Bullpen. Uh, and welcome, there's the two Daves, uh, young Dave and uh, grey-bearded Dave uh, <laughs> tonight on the on the bullpen. Um, we're going to chat through, we're going to revisit a topic that we touched on last season. Uh, we're all numbers guys, we're all stats guys and we Spent a wee bit of time last year looking at our favourite score lines, and uh, uh, Yorkshire Dave has identified uh, something quite interesting about his favourite score line and his favourite team, the Boston Red Sox. So, Dave, do you want to maybe give us a wee heads up on what's been happening over at Fenway and when the Red Sox have been on the road? Yeah, I mean, this dates back to last year as our series two episode 17 to to be exact last may and um we decided to come up with our favorite score and scenario and i picked like six five um yeah combat combat from behind win and um no sooner do you say something out loud that sometimes you feel as though will i live to regret that and i've always got my eye out for this six five scoreline and in the very first game of the season on the opening day to our historic rivals, New York Yankees, in the Bronx, the first game of the season, we lost 6-5. I'm thinking, yeah, this is not a very good omen for the season. Later that month, we lost 6-5 on the um, on the road to Blue Jays in Toronto. So I'm getting a bit concerned about that, but... <laughs> Then they had three wins in fairly quick succession in May against Richard's uh, Mariners. Um, don't need to say the score, do I? <laughs> Six five. And um, Spikes the Red Sox. Yeah, at the Angels and then Cardinals at Fenway. So that was uh, well into June. Then away again <laughs> in Toronto on Tuesday, the twenty eighth of June. They lost 6-5 again to Toronto Blue Jays. So I'm getting a bit of a complex by, by now. And um, the very next day, however, <laughs> the Red Sox bounced back and won 6-5. But at this stage, I'm going to say that this is not a common scoreline. And Dave, um, <clears throat> last season, dug out some extremely good stats on someone who has looked at 20 years worth of MLB games and came up with one run differential is the most common, but 6-5. I think he'd looked at 20 years of, of stats between 2009 and 2018 and um, less than 3% of 
of games finished with a scoreline 6-5. So at this stage, we're already up to, uh, what, seven. And that's two in successive nights. The next day was a rest day as they travelled to Chicago to play the Cubs. And lo and behold, if they didn't lose that, 6-5. So, um, you know, my excitement of the previous night was then, I thought, well, that's it. And we hadn't had a, a podcast for a while, so I thought, I'm not really going to mention it. And then in the last series, four-game series, Yankees at Fenway, Thursday, 7th of July, the Yankees beat us 6-5. So I thought, oh, that, you know, this is opus. However, on Saturday, the 9th of July, we had the whole, the full package uh, come, come back from behind. Extra inning, walk-off, 6-5, win, Boston Red Sox, 6, Yankees, 5. So that's 10 games, believe it or not, out of the 80, yeah. 85 at that stage. Um, have finished 6-5, Red Sox are 5-5 five and five when the game finishes 6-5. And um, that's almost 12% of the games that I've played. So bearing in mind that this study had looked at um, the score lines and, you know, normally you would say that that is a, a score line that might come up three times out of every 100. Yeah. So something's going on here, you know. So, so if you say something out loud, sometimes it can it can really happen. So, I'm, I'm you know, I'm quite amazed at that and it's just uh it's an astonishing game anyway in baseball you know especially if you follow it like we are doing pretty much every day the most incredible things happen um and uh that's the story of uh, the six five score probably never quite expected the astonishing thing to be that the, the red sox were listening to our podcast and trying to <laughs> to satisfy you so Dave yeah well uh, perhaps you sort of uh, send them a send them a copy of our original broadcast and uh, you know five for five yeah yeah I haven't seen it mentioned anywhere anywhere else but there's so much to write about so much other stuff that, that somebody somewhere yeah. will pick up on that because uh, they've been involved in a lot of close games um, all season. And in fact, you know, they've been, uh, as I've mentioned before when I'm there, been blowing a lot of saves, blowing a lot of games. Um, um, but, yeah, it is particularly pleasing, you know, when you get that extra yeah. walk-off when, you know, against a rival. And um, let me see if I can find... This quote because I think it was after last night. Right? Last night it was um, beat the Yankees eleven six to split the series, and uh, yeah, Alex Cora said, I think well, it's Ian Brown who writes the MLB uh, yeah. rap for the for the Red Sox, um, and he said when JD Martinez smashed an equalizing two run shot to right. To tie it at six in the fifth, Fenway got about as loud as it gets in July. It's fun, said Cora. The last two nights it was loud. 
they were intense. When you go to uh, the game at one o'clock for a seven o'clock start, and there's a lot of people already outside the park, it means a lot. It's like, yeah, be ready. It should be a fun night. So it's you know it's happening, isn't it? It's yeah. um, it's great stuff. Great to see. Great to hear. And it was loud. Did did you know the percentage of games that are one run wins, Dave? You said three percent for six five. Did you have a total for? Um, well, I don't have the. Um, nice. I've, I've got the the link to the yeah. guys' um, report, um, but he did. There was quite a few, three or four graphs, and there's one about the just which was the most common scoreline. Yeah, but the other one was um, the run differential. So one run games is the most common winning margin yeah which is probably you know um, probably logically it'll happen because of walk-off exactly yeah Yeah, i think he makes that point that quite a few games will finish on that on that basis so yeah i don't know exactly what what it is but that's um yeah one run games is the 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 most common differential young dave I think you selected the classic pitcher's duel of 1-0. Uh, you're not an Arsenal fan, but you picked that as your, your favourite scoreline. Any updates on the, the White Sox or any changed thoughts on that from yourself as we go through 2022? Um, I definitely see more merit uh, and something a bit more special which can, can arise from a 1-0 victory. The only thing I would say it does take a little bit of excitement out of the game early on, perhaps those first four, five, six innings, before people can get into the thought process that they could be watching a, a perfect game or a, a no-hitter. Um, so I think if you get hits but no scores, it's probably a dull game, if I'm being honest, going through a 1-0. Um, but if you've got that anticipation of one pitcher or both, um, or these days, you know, the team, the kind of combined team no-hitter, um, I think that could be really quite interesting to be at a game like that and watch it. Um, every possible pitch is just going to be kind of box office, particularly as you get towards uh, the back end of the game, Al. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, when it's something that happened last night. Um, <laughs> you, you almost feel at times, when's a good time for a pitcher to give up a run? Is it the old classic... You know, football analogy concede in the first minute and you've got 89 more yeah. in which to do so so last night against uh, Allen's Tigers Michael Kopech with his first um, you know, he, he was up to, to pitch for the White Sox and he walked the Tigers leadoff man Yeah, number two in the order came up and smacked out a home run to give the Tigers a 2-0 victory with nobody out uh, and then Kopech went on to pitch 5.1 innings of no scores and you think psychologically to come from that place where he's given up, you know, the very first two hitters in the game, to then come through what would that be, sixteen hitters and not concede? Um, psychologically, it must be pretty good. Um, but also, you you maybe get a team like the White Sox who are underperforming just now. The fans got on your back as well. You know, oh here we go, we're two 0 down to the Tigers, nobody out against that. You know, what we're going to do? We're going to burn through the bullpen now. We're going to is Kopech replaced after you know, another couple of hitters? 
Um, so I just think everything to do with pitching is the more I watch it, the more I become uh, engrossed by the different pitches. And um, again, as being someone new to baseball, I would sit and watch and think, why are these guys not even getting in the zone at times? And you'll hear the commentators going, that's a great pitch. You know, but OK, it might not have been a swing and a miss. It might count as a ball. But they'll say that was a perfect pitch. And it's something which looks six inches outside the zone. And as someone new to the game, I thought, oh, that's just a waste of a pitch. Um, but the more you see the psychology behind it, the relationship they build with the catcher, the knowledge they have to have on those hitters in the box, um, I just, the more interested I am in pitching, which is probably a complete flip to my natural instinct would be watching guys hit home runs. Um, and seeing that type of box office entertainment, but I'm really drawn more towards pitching. So I think I'll stick with my 1-0 and a 10th inning or a, a bottom of the ninth walk-off, if that's allowed. So a wee bit of a yeah, pitching perfectionist there, pitching place. And that's like the, it's all, is it, what, what do the Italians call a perfect game of football? No, no, Catanaccio, something like that. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, yeah, I can see you, they're wearing the azure blue and cheering on the pitchers as the game goes towards uh, two teams. And that would be exciting, two teams going to a no-hitter. Or a, a Plus, you're probably game. more likely to get home early, aren't you? You know, you might, um, in a pitcher's duel, you might get out of the ballpark after two and a half hours rather than, you know, sort of being there till midnight or whatever. Yeah, those priorities. So, interesting uh, Red Sox Dave was talking about the the Red Sox winning, losing 6-5 in opening day to the Yankees. Well, I picked 5-4 as my score and the Tigers obliged me on day one of the season with a 5-4 win over the White Sox. Uh, so, uh, well done there. They've subsequently had another four games, finished 5-4. Uh, all of them, they've got beaten. Uh, once to the dreaded Yankees in the 10th innings. I think that still counts as it is 5-4, so it'll still count. Uh, the Red Sox have beaten us 5-4 this year as well, Dave. Uh, and the Twins have done it twice. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, from a favourite scoreline, promising start to the season from the Tigers, but we're 4-1 we're down now. So hopefully we can record four 5-4 wins before the end of the season and get a that would, that would be perfect if we if we won 5-4 in 5-4 games that would just, <laughs> that, only that could satisfy my brain uh, so yeah let's let's see how that goes slight as slight aside moving on to something else but um you know, I've got my, my Durham Bulls t-shirt on tonight and you know I went to see the Bulls earlier this season well I didn't Realize, but um, I guess neither of you know who Ripken is. R I P K E N. If you've heard of Ripken, Carl Ripken, Al, the Iron Man. So now Ripken is the, the bat dog at Bull <laughs> Stadium. So Ripken actually goes on to the field and retrieves the bats uh, when the when somebody's going for <laughs> running off there. So. Uh, I think that must be a fairly unique thing. So there's always something unique in baseball, but I thought that was quite fantastic to sort of see with that. So he has his own wee 
Twitter page, uh, Ripkin the Bat Dog, so we'll see what his <laughs> antics are. But in the football season, he retrieves the, the tee. Uh, so the kicker, is it the kicker in football, uses a tee to place the ball on and then yeah. punts it. Uh, so Ripkin gets out on the pitch for one of the, the state, the college teams, and it takes the tee back then as well. So uh, only in baseball could we have something as fantastic as that? Plenty of dogs been on pitches in football, and proper football, soccer games we've been to in our in, in our time, uh, occasionally interfering with play, but actually having that as an official part of the game is is a pretty fantastic stuff. So I'd get our listeners to have a wee look out for Ripken and see what he is up to. So is he Dave? Does he become your second favourite uh, dog of all time behind Pickles? <laughs> and that, the dog who found the, was it the World Cup in when it went yeah. <laughs> how do you sniff out a World Cup and there's one for the, there's something dodgy was going on there with pickles in the, in the World yeah. Cup there. Yeah, quite possibly I don't know it's um, just one of those weird Situations. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't, so I remember what, it happening, but yeah. I don't really know what the details were. Did someone actually steal a World Cup, or the cat just have lost it? <laughs> and, uh, what, what what happened? I don't so, know. Yeah, I guess somebody. If you stole it, are you going to steal it and then throw it in the bushes, or uh, you steal it and then you come back a wee while later to pick it up from the bushes? A little bit bizarre. Yeah. Well, they ended up with it in the end, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Can't think of dogs in any other sled. Is sledding a sport? Do dogs? Do yeah. Sledding must be, they must be going through the ice there as well. So I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. Sporting dogs, Pickles and Ripken. <laughs> there must be more listeners. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a special next week. <laughs> And we've researched it. Yeah. <clears throat> so into more serious matters, we obviously, uh, Richard is, is unfortunately absent tonight, but his Mariners are on a eight-game winning streak, uh, certainly pushing for wildcard spots in, in the American League and looking good these days. But uh, Dave Jr., White Sox, managed to recover and split a series with the, the good old Tigers, just now, but they're still, still sort of spluttering away, trying to get there, the, the White Sox. Yeah, um, it, there's quite an interesting stat I seen earlier today, actually. There's a really good guy on Twitter called Jay Cuda, and he actually, he's a White Sox fan, but he works for MLB Stats Department, which Alan would just, you know, I, I think the three of us could actually go and spend the holiday there. Um, <laughs> but, but Disneyland... <laughs> Uh, but he put out a stat saying that for the last 38 days, um, so sorry, take it back a step. In yeah. baseball, for those of you that don't know, quite often as a form guide, your last 10 games are, are quite critical to give you an idea of a form guide. The same way that in Britain, you would see that against football teams, um, usually in some bookies, coupons. Um, but for the last 38 days in a row, the White Sox have either been 6-4 and four or 5-5. Five and five, uh, And that's 6-4 right. being... Six and four being either way, so four and six. Again, to those of you listening, that means um, six wins and four losses in your last 10 games or 
four wins and six losses or just kind of splitting them five and five. And I think that gives a really good indication where the White Sox have been. A bit of a slow start and then consistently average. Yeah. Um, we really had a, a poor start to the year with injuries, but since those guys have came back, they've not really hit the ground running, to be honest. Uh, there's been an argument that we've had a lot of tougher games um, against better sides, so sides that are perhaps over a 500 record. But, uh, and there's a, again, there's a lot of talk just now about entering a 19-game spell against teams from the American League Central, so our own league, and that would be games against Allens, Detroit, Cleveland, uh, Minnesota and Kansas City. So our division is regarded as probably one of the two weakest across the MLB. So if there is a chance to, to kind of close that gap between the White Sox, who are um, sitting in third just now, and ironically, it would be far easier for us to win our division to get into the playoffs than it would be to finish as a wild card, which just sounds a little bit strange if you ask me. Uh, but we can only look to Richard's Mariners as inspiration. So I was just doing a little bit of maths there. And you guys mentioned that they're on a, an eight-game winning streak. They, you, at the last 10, they've won nine and lost one. Um, but they've, they've won eight in a row. So before those eight games took place, compared to where they are now, that's 40 points. Um, in the old percentage, which is a hell of a swing. It's took them from basically 480 up to 520. And it just goes to show you if you get a good run of games, a good confidence, um, it can absolutely turn the season round. And I think before we started recording tonight, Alan talked about Tigers fans get quite excited about a recent uh, resurgence, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, but the White Sox, there's a little bit of hope there where if you're coming up against, well, I say 19 games, Four are out of the way now, and the disappointing thing is that we've come out of those four games tying them to each with with a team in Detroit that probably won't compete for the playoff spots. So if you're playing a team like Detroit at home, again, with respect, Al, you'd like to try and think that you can win that Series 3-1. Um, perhaps more optimistically, stronger teams might be thinking 4-0. Um, but to come out of that to each against a, a Detroit team, by the way, who played well, um, but I think if you're a team with, with aspirations of winning a division, you need to be doing better than what the White Sox are doing just now. And it's it's going up to a good time where they might look to try and prove those credentials by, by winning these games before the All-Star break, um, but also perhaps making some trades during July. And I think um, I think the transfer window is open now, but it's, uh, deals tend not to be done very early in the window, teams are still looking to see where they are, um, if they've got aspirations of finishing the playoffs, and towards the end of July they start to make those trades, if it's if it benefits their organisation going forward, to maybe offload a high wage earner or a, a star player and get two or three um, future stars um, to put through their system. So um, it'll be interesting to see where things go, but again, if the White Sox are going to make a run at the title, it has to be over the next the next two weeks. Um, is that fair to say, Alan, about your Detroit Tigers team? Do you are the playoffs too far out there for you? Or oh, absolutely, <laughs> it's not 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 even a, a, a question. Uh, so no, we're a million miles off. I just finish off that White Sox, but I love. There's a stat. 
I didn't even think anybody would be recording a stat like that where they're saying that they've only varied between 6-4 and 4-6. So now working that out, they were obviously 6-4 heading into the series against the Tigers, then went to 4-6, and now they're presumably back at 6-4 again. So the guy's got to be good that he's picked up in something like that. A um, little bit sad, but no, fair play to the guy. I absolutely love it. Uh, I'm tempted to go back and see... Uh, it, it, what the Tigers would be like, but it's uh, it won't won't take too much to so think about that. Tigers, um, yeah, young Riley Green. Uh, I think they'd hoped he, uh, drafted by the Tigers in 2019. Uh, Tigers had hoped to have him in their opening day roster this season, but he broke his right foot, so he came in just a couple of weeks ago, the middle of June, I think, middle middle, late June. Uh, so he's had two or three weeks. He's done exceptionally well. Uh, a single in his first at-bat for the Tigers. Uh, his first homer for the Tigers was a, a walk-off homer as well. So he's done well. Has Can a young guy like that really have helped give them the momentum? It saw them win six games in a row and start to look a wee bit better. Uh, a team that's playing 36 wins against 49 losses so far this season. I don't, I don't know. Um, you, you were talking to me earlier as well, Dave, about the, the Tigers' bullpen, uh, which seems reasonable. So I, I was fascinated to see the closer, Gregory Soto. The Tigers have won 36 games, and he has had 17 saves, uh, which seems quite... Uh, hard to believe that he has made a save. When you consider the parameters for a save, he's made a save in pretty much every second Tigers wins. So uh, what does a guy like that do? He'll be well remunerated at the Tigers. Will there be teams out there looking for a good closer uh, that can can save games for them and do do what needs to be done that might be competing for titles? Uh I don't know the contractual position of the guy, but I think it seems that in baseball anything goes if you have the money. So uh, let let's see what happens. But what, what about up in Boston, Dave? The, the Red Sox. Uh, what what's your current thoughts there? Yeah, well, actually, I think Boston might be interested in uh, in a specialist closer like um, your man Soto, or I've heard it mentioned. Um, I think the Cubs have got pretty good uh, closers. Is it Robertson? <clears throat> and they're talking about him because, you know, in the trade deadline, the Chicago Cubs are not doing too well. So they're likely to be in selling mode. Um, as Dave says, you know, it's a little bit opposite to the football because there's no jeopardy in baseball, is there? There's no relegation so if you're a team that's out of contention they tend to do is you know they might sell off some of their um older veteran you know what they call veteran players better players and start building for the future and then you get a team that's in contention like yankees or boston or some one of the others who will say right well what do we need to to uh, <coughs> win the championship here do we need a starting pitcher, a closer, or an extra bat. So, um, yeah, so that's uh, 
Whereas in football, you get big trays and the new managers coming in. If uh, if you're struggling down the bottom because you might get relegated, that's not the case in baseball. But um, yeah, Boston, I sort of made a note at the halfway point. What is it? Sort of um, 81 games in and Boston found themselves in second place in the very strong AL East. Um, nine games above 500, that's 45 wins, 36 losses, and um, in a wild card spot and a game and a half to the good of that. So in quite a good position, especially when you consider they had a very poor start, very poor April. And um, the, what Dave says about playing against your rivals in your division is, you know, is very, is very apt. And that could be the key to the White Sox. You know, if they've got a lot of games coming up against the, their, their rivals, whereas Boston have not done too well. Um, that's, uh, that's putting it mildly, actually. I think they just split the series, four-game series against the Yankees. And that's the, the only series they haven't lost against um teams in their division, including the Orioles, who are only one game off um, 500 themselves. So you could have a whole division, the AL East, where every team has got a winning record. And, well, until recently, I think the Tampa Bay, it's quite complicated, isn't it? Tampa Bay have lost the last three, Toronto have lost the last four. But at one stage, you had, um, you know, so the AL will have six teams in the postseason. They'll have um, each of the three division winners go forward, and then there's three wildcard places this year. And at, at one point, the three wildcard spots were Boston, Tampa, and Toronto, all from the AL East. So it's pretty tough. And, uh, you know, the next games, um, Boston are playing four in Tampa. Although I think they've got Chris Sale back coming back. There's a lot of injury problems, especially with the starting rotation and Chris Sale hasn't pitched at all this year. I think he's scheduled to pitch uh, tomorrow night. So that could be important. And then, of course, they're on the road to um, play another three games against the Yankees in the Bronx. So, um, yeah, well, yeah, we'll know a bit more at the All-Star break. It's always a good point. Halfway Report is important, but the all-star break is when all the pundits look at what needs to happen and, more importantly, the general managers look at what needs to happen. And, uh, you know, I think um, they, what's happened at Boston this year, they've brought through a lot of good young prospects. And um, the general manager, Ryan Bloom, we used to do that job at um, Tampa Bay. We've done a very good job in improving the farm system at Boston. But Boston being Boston, they expect, you know, it's it's good to look at the long term. But Boston fans, especially, you know, this century since they've won a few championships, you know, they expect to be competitive and competing for a championship. So they want him to be active at the trade deadline. So maybe a starting pitcher, maybe a closer, and maybe one extra bat for his base, something like that. So, um, yeah, 
I'm 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 pretty happy with the way things are going. The last two wins made a big difference. If the Yankees had a swept um as you know, four games to nothing, you could be looking at a very different Yorkshire Dave right now. But yeah, I'm feeling quite chipper. Good. Young Dave, you had some thoughts on that? I was just going to say Dave mentioned the, the three teams at one point uh, occupied the three wildcard places. I just did a quick check. They still do. Um, the, the only addition to that is Richard Seattle, who have gatecrashed the party. And technically, they're on the same percentage as Toronto. Both are 45 for 42. So there's four teams occupying the three places just now. Um, and interestingly, Baltimore are the next team on the list. So it just shows what a strong division um that particular one is, um, and uh, you know, not not try suck in with Dave or that, but he's talking about uh, getting swept by the Yankees. The Yankees are just phenomenal this year. As as horrible as as it is to say, they just feel. Um, and again, I, I don't have a long baseball history, but what they're doing this year, they must be a nightmare to come up against. They just win, win, win. Um, yeah. And it's, again, the last two nights. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Um, so I don't think it's any disgrace in getting beat off the Yankees just now. And I'd I'd be quite interested to see their odds of, of winning it all, to be honest. Um, they must be pretty clear favourites just now. Yeah, I think um, at one stage I did hear that they were on pace for equaling Seattle Mariners' record of 116 wins, but um, that would... You know, be quite an amazing feat. Um, but they, they. I mean, I, I didn't watch a lot of the games uh, live because they weren't UK friendly times. But you know, they look extremely strong. You know, you look at their run differential is what plus one seven seven, four fifty runs scored. Where I don't think anyone's got more than that in both leagues 273 against and there's another thing if you look at the standings um table i think the more we talked about this in the last episode we run differential and you'll see there's a there's a column expected wins and losses so that that's where i would uh although you play dave your team is playing against um guys in you know your, your own division so the next few games are really important. I'd be still a bit concerned in as much as you, what, two games under 500. The run differential is minus 37, and this expected win-loss is 38-46. So that leads me to believe that maybe one of two things that you're not really going to pick up much more, you're not. Your, your your results are probably slightly better than they should be. But what you said was you, you maybe that you've been playing um, a higher standard of team than some of the other players. So some of the other teams. So um, yeah, it will all come out in the wash, won't it? In the one six two. Yeah. Yes. Fairly sure. Complimenting the Yankees wasn't soaking up to Yorkshire, Dave. Young man, so the 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 Tigers have played the Yankees and were swept with a combined run score of twenty one to five. 
including that 5-4 defeat. So, yeah, good good team. So you touched on as well the All-Star break. Dave, young, young Dave, what's what, what's the news in the, the All-Star game and what, who are we going to see from our teams and such like? Yeah, so again, for those of you who are long-term listeners or if you're just sort of listening to this, we covered off the All-Star game last year quite thoroughly in terms of what it means. And it's, it's quite an exciting few days for baseball fans. Um, really getting to see their, their players represented. I think the closest I could come to explaining that would be almost your club team in football having players representing their country. I think and there's that little bit of pride that your players have been selected. Um, just before I move on to that, actually, uh, the Yankees are the favourites to, to lift the World Series 15-4. to um, And then it's, again, out of us, you're looking at the Red Sox at 25-1, to the White Sox at 35-1. to Unbelievably, the Mariners are 66-1, to quite some way outside the White Sox, which maybe tells people how they feel about them. And the Tigers are not... Quoted. quoted. No, they're 1,000-1. <laughs> Um, Leicester City did it. Yes, <laughs> they didn't win the World Series, Al. No, 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 right. That's right. Yeah, true. Uh, but in terms of the All Star Game, it's great. It's really enjoyable, and it's a big, big honour for these players to uh, to be selected. So, to give you a quick idea, we have, from what I can see, six players who have been selected um, from Boston. Uh, we've got Rafi and Bogey. Um, uh, Rafi, Rafael Devers. It's the second. Selection, uh, Xander Bogarts is his fourth. Uh, the White Sox have contributed with Tim Anderson, making his, this will be his second appearance as well. Um, the only rookie involved in the whole game comes from Seattle. Uh, I'm leaving the Tigers to last Alan on purpose. <laughs> the only rookie to make the whole game is, is a lad by the name of Rodriguez. So that'll be quite interesting if Richard knows a little bit about him. He seems to be an outfielder, but I don't I don't have any of his details to hand. Um, but it must be quite exciting for the young man to make it. And a man that Alan and Dave have mentioned tonight, uh, Soto, the closer for the Tigers. This is his second appearance. Um, quite a cool-looking character as well. Yeah. He's quite a technique about him. But the one that really interested me, and again, it says a lot about baseball, we've spoken a lot about the sentimentality of the game. Uh, but Miguel Cabrera has been selected as a, uh, a commissioner's choice, I think, alongside Albert Pujols. Mm. Um, and this will be Miggy's um, god. It's up there with his home run tally almost. This will be his 12th appearance in an all-star game if he takes to the field. Um, and from what I can gather, I don't know if you know a bit more about it than I, Al, um, but this seems to be not a not a pity appearance. It's completely not that, but it's not based on fan selection or anything. It just seems to be almost a a bit of a a well done. It's a congratulations on all of his achievements in the game, from his three thousand hits to his, yeah. his home runs. Um, and again, baseball does this type of thing so well. Um, it might not be Miggy's last season, from what we're hearing, but it'll certainly be Pools last year. Um, but the fact that the the governing body still find that space and find that warmth to to reward and recognise real characters and real legends of the game. It must be happening for Tigers fans, Al. Yeah. When he was selected, I did read up a wee bit more about it because I was intrigued 
I sort of under, thought I understood the process, but I was intrigued to sort of think about where does somebody like that fit into what is effectively a sort of superstar game. Um, and interestingly, I think at one stage, Miggy at 308 is like batting almost in the top 10 of the American League. Uh, so he, he is batting well. Uh, his, he obviously got through his 3,000 hits this season as well and actually continues to hit fairly well. But it was interesting the comments from Tigers fans um, and maybe fans of other teams can creep in there. Who, who knows, social media might actually be corrupted by people who just want to be obnoxious and um, maybe uh, look for a fight or an argument. But so, some people were critical of it um, and some people were thinking this is exactly what should be done. The commissioner, whether you like the guy or not, he's always not the most popular person. He, it's an all-star game. It's a celebrity game. It's a big thing for the fans. Uh, the superstars should be there. Why is Mickey batting so well just now? So, again, just learning about the game as you do all the time. Uh, hitting a lot of his, his RBI stats are, are very good this year. Hitting a lot of singles. Um, I think he was 308, but he was something like 360 for uh, runners in scoring position. So you've also got a guy who no longer can maybe hit the big homers, uh, can no longer be hitting out the ground. He's obviously not fast. Miggy's never really been fast to, to be hitting doubles and, and trebles, um, triples. Uh, but he's he's obviously finding the holes, he's finding the pockets, and he's managing to push his men along on base then as well. So there's something quite fantastic about a guy with that sort of ability uh, then to do that. He's doing it at 39 years old. Um, my only question, my only doubt about it, and it comes back to, and we've seen it in football with these type of things as well, is uh, what what happens next season? Is it the, the Alan McGregor in, in goal for Rangers at, at 39, you're suddenly playing in a European Final, uh, you're coming on for the last two minutes of a Scottish Cup final when the when the trophy's wrapped up. Uh, does Miggy come back next year, have another great year? If he does, I think from what I'm saying that he's unlikely to be batting figures and doing stuff that would merit an actual selection in the All-Star game. So the commissioner's got to make a choice. Do I put him in now or do I take a gamble and think, oh, I'll wait for next year. And he sounds to me that he's done the right thing. He, he's taken Miggy in at the right time. Guy's a legend in Detroit. He, he's going to Cooperstown. Um, it, it's his 12th appearance. Uh, how will that, what will that mean to him? I'd imagine he's the sort of guy that's always honoured and, and delighted to be getting those selections. So uh, it's a yes from me, Surprising, not surprisingly. How about yourself, Dave? How do you feel about the, the Red Sox additions this year? And are there any that missed out that you feel uh, is not warranted? Yeah, I think the writer in there, Devers, is amazing. He's becoming a phenomenon. He really is. And um, he's uh, he's been out the last couple of games, actually, with a little bit of a, I think it's a back injury he's had. So hopefully, hopefully he will be back. I did check. Tonight, I don't think he's officially on the IL, 
So I think it's maybe day to day. So hopefully it's going to be back soon. And uh, I think in the close season, the um, well, the off season, that <laughs> he um, was working on his defense. But he's a third baseman, and I don't know. He's still quite young, but um, he's been around for a long time. And uh, this season, his defense has been outstanding as well as he's hitting, but he's hitting for power now. And um, he's got something uh, something going on with Garrett Cole on the Yankees. He um, in one of the in one of the losses, I think uh, it was it was said in, in the warm up that you know they've got stats on one to one stats. And Garrett Cole's one of the best pitchers in the business, but for some reason, um, Rafi seems to hit home runs off him, and he hit two in the same game. I think it was in the in one of the losses, but he's a phenomenon. And Bogey, Xander Bogarts, he is the shortstop. He's the one that's really. I think he's the captain in the clubhouse, very important player, and his contract is up. This season, he could go to free agency, and um, it it it's not certain that they seem to be coming up with the right deal for him. And uh, this would plus Devers, I think, he's only got one more year. The only other guy who could um, could have been done really was JD Martinez, the designated hitter. He's just missed out. The catcher Vasquez actually was a very late run for him because he's in astonishing form and um you know he's hitting well hitting home runs and he's pretty fast around the pace as well again you know for for the a catcher who they have a busy time of it don't they um anyway uh, but to be contributing like uh so he's there those are the other two that could maybe have made it trevor story potentially but yeah i think they picked the right two from the red sox and uh Excuse me, it'd be good to see them there. So, so when's the game? Where's the game this year? Mm. <laughs> uh, obviously, we know that type of information, Alan. Um, yeah. if, you just, if you just wait for about 30 seconds, uh, quite clearly, it's the 92nd Midsummer Classic, which takes place uh, one week tomorrow at Dodger Stadium. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, so foreign territory, given that that's the National League and our guys are all American leagues. So, no, it'll be interesting. I'll definitely be be watching. Um, uh, I don't know. There seemed to be some form of home run derby in London this weekend. Did any of you pay attention? Or I, I must admit it kind of went past me. Uh, yeah, but that's usually... that, it's not... It's something different because I think the the home run derby is the day before the All Star mm. game, and I presume it's it'll be at Dodger Stadium as well. This the London thing was slightly different, and I didn't really look into it in any great detail except there's a guy in it who was an ex player, the Red Sox Johnny Johnny Gomes <laughs> did something. Pretty amazing. Did I mention it in one of the previous things? He actually is a bit of a Red Sox fan. Uh, occasionally, he does he does work for the Red Sox, I think, and he does some work, uh, some punditry work. But uh, in a game at um, at Fenway, he was sat in the Green Monster seats, and he actually caught a home run ball. 
So I'm pretty sure he was in this um, home run thing, but it, it's it's separate to the home run derby day. But um, I don't have any more detail than that. Cool. Thank you for that. So as well as the All-Star game coming out this week uh, in Scotland, we obviously switching sports, but sticking with a bat and a ball, if you can call it that, is obviously the, the home of golf. We had the Scottish Open last week, and this week we have the Open uh, up at St Andrews. Uh, I was taking a particular interest in the closing day at the Scottish Open. The, the top three guys who finish in the top 10 that aren't already qualified get to play in the Open uh, and there was an American professional by the name of Alex Smalley who needed a par on the last to qualify for the Open and unfortunately Alex bogeyed the hole uh, I say that as of relevance in this podcast uh, because his bag uh, has the logo of the Burlington Sox Sock Puppets uh, a baseball team out of Burlington, North Carolina, who play in the Appalachian Leagues. So it was a young guy making his way on the PGA Tour. I wouldn't imagine there's a big financial sponsorship in there, but it probably it's uh, quite cool to see that. So he, he, I have seen video of him with possibly one of the coolest head covers you could have for your driver, if you could imagine what uh, Burlington Sock Puppets <coughs> head cover could look like for your driver. So... Sadly, we won't be seeing Alec up in the, the Open at St Andrews, but we might follow his career over the next wee while and maybe uh, do something good for the, 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 the minor league baseball family there as well. So uh, it's all go. So, guys, it's been a good chat tonight. Anything else? Are we happy to move on, get the TV on, put your feet up and watch the, the games that are on MLB TV tonight? Yeah, that does it for me, Al. You know, it's a pretty good round-up halfway through the season, aren't we? And um, Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, along with last season, this is the closest I've really watched a full season of it. You know, every day, not watching three or four hours of it, but the condensed game um, on... MLB TV is, you know, pretty much the first thing to do in the morning, you know, without knowing the scoreline. Sometimes I'll watch, if I'm up late, I might watch the first inning or two live yeah. and then uh, catch the condensed game until eight or nine minutes. So. Yeah. Come uh, your yeah. 50 in the morning and watch the, the condensed version. It's a, great, it's a great facility, MLB TV. It is. It really is. You know, it's worth every cent. So it's a good night or good afternoon or good morning even, whatever time you're listening to us. And thanks for tuning in again, once again, to the Highland Bullpen. We look forward to catching up with you next time and give us a shout, anything you want to chat about or ask us about, guys. See you soon. Mm-hmm.